0: Just like on the technical side, you don't start inventing this type of stuff when you're under an attack. You have to define this when everybody is nice and calm, working remotely from home and drinking orange juice. You know, It's something that everybody has to agree upon. And you can only do this, of course, when you're not under attack or not under a huge amount of stress. So this has to be done thoroughly, of course, validated by all, and stamped. And once you know the process is stamped, the process is defined, then there's only one clear, you know, process to follow and if you have an issue then you know that's the thing to follow.
1: Mobile workforces, cloud applications, and digitalization are changing every aspect of the modern enterprise, and with radical transformation come new business risks. Welcome to Hybrid Identity Protection, the premier podcast for cybersecurity pros charged with defending hybrid identity environments. Presented by Semperis, the pioneers of identity-driven cyber resilience for the hybrid enterprise. And now, here's your host, 15-time Microsoft MVP and Active Directory security expert, Sean Duby.
2: Hi, everyone, and welcome to the HIP Podcast. Returning to the podcast today is Ben Cowell, Senior Security Delivery Manager at Accenture, in charge of the company's Active Directory security offering in France. Welcome back, Ben.
0: Hey, hi, Sean. How are you doing?
2: Great. So last time I had you on, we talked about various aspects of incident response, like the time sensitivity of the event, the techniques of Making sure that your a d is removed from the environment, so from being crypto locked so you can do further investigations, some of the hunting types you do. Uh, let's continue the conversation with where we sort of left off on this, which is the organizational aspects. Experiencing cyber attack is very stressful and hopefully an uncommon experience. so it's it's ripe for disorganization. And if you add to that the fact that by human nature, people don't want to think about it until they have to think about it. So when you step into a situation, what do you find are typical org structures or processes that slow down or otherwise hinder a response when time is of the essence?
0: So just before we start talking about the org structures, it was pretty funny when you just said it's uncommon or people don't want to think about it. I would say that, first of all, since 2017, it's not uncommon anymore. I would say that I wouldn't say it's daily business, but uh, as you know, we have many, many different companies uh, giving you guys some phone calls, giving us some phone calls. So I, I wouldn't call it uncommon. I would call it, you know, rather common nowadays, now in 2022. And then yeah last time we had a talk we had a quick chat about the do's and don'ts from the technical perspective and now i think it's really interesting to come to this uh, organizational perspective so when you're talking about you know the the types of orgs that actually hinder or can slow down our response so this is something that's really important and that we've we've actually had and that i'm experiencing again <laughs> so this is why i think today's chat is really interesting and important to have so the technical aspect we talked about last time and of course everybody is starting to get ready on the technical point of view what happens when i get crypto locked or what happens you know when this this attack is going on then i have to follow this procedure or whatever okay that's cool that's a technical thing and now you have it down but then it also all depends on the org, right? You're not the only decision maker. And uh, of course, Accenture works with major orgs. We're talking about not just you know one company with one single entity in one country, but we usually work with groups and groups have, well, first of all, it's multinationals. So several countries and then several entities within the country. And usually what's been happening lately is we have one of these entities that's being hit. And the question is, all right, you might know or not what you're supposed to do technically. But the question is, who's making the decisions? And in these types of orgs, then you have many, many different players um, with many different points of view. So you have the entity itself. um, Then you have the country managers. So maybe, you know, a different level of management for the whole country. So for X number of entities. And then you have the group, as we said. And you have there again another org. So who's making the shots? Who's making the calls? You know, who's taking the decisions? Is it the group? Is it the country? Or is it the entity itself? And that's usually when we start having a whole mess because there hasn't been a clear chain of command um, that's been defined. And that today for me is I wouldn't I wouldn't call it a showstopper, but I would say it's one of the things that really slows us down.
2: Yes. So in other words, the people are having to figure out the org structure for this incident response in real time, while (laughs) I imagine there's a lot of table thumping and a lot of arguing going on as they're trying to determine who's the boss on all of this.
0: Exactly. And you have to think about several things. So first of all, we have this in, so not the one I'm going through, actually, because the two IRs we're handling are mostly handled in Europe. So we're on the same time zone. But when you're talking about a group, and for example, I would say, let's imagine a French group, but with an entity in the US, for example, if the US entity gets hit, you're on a different time zone. So first of all, to work efficiently, it's pretty complicated. I mean, for decision making, it's complicated. You have people in the US who speak English, people in France who speak French, and a little English, we got nine hours difference if you guys are on the West Coast. So when all these people get together, you know, all the C-levels get together, who's making actually going to make make the calls? And that's the real problem that we we can run into, for sure.
2: Right. So you have to be able to, you have to have process that you can already be familiar with, but don't you also have to have a process for being outside of the process when the unexpected happens? Or can it all be handled within this Incident response process.
0: As we said, I mean, we're always trying to think about things when something goes wrong. uh, So I'm going to talk on the technical side first, and this is the discussion that we had last time. When something goes wrong and you're going through an attack on an active directory, you don't want to have to start imagining how you're going to respond to it and what the next steps should be. And are you going to work on the network side, just on the AD side, on the hypervisor side? Everything has to be written down because you're under a tremendous amount of stress and you have to act fast, right? This is pretty much the same thing. It's defining a chain of command. So this is also something that we do at Accenture and we can accompany our customers, you know, to to define this right chain of command. So you have to think about all these scenarios on how to protect yourself, that's one. And then once you've been pawned, you have to try not to have to think about these scenarios. They have to be already written down. So you could imagine if it's an entity, for example, then you know it's like a flow chart. If it's only an entity in the US, for example, then the chain of command is, I don't know, whoever on the the sea levels in the US make the decisions and the other people in the rest of the world are just, you know, contributors, but the accountability is on the US side. I mean, it's like we do on every different project, you know, when you go for a fixed fee, you always have to define a racy matrix. This is pretty much the same thing. It's a racy matrix for decision making. Who's making the decisions? Who's accountable? Who's responsible? Who's contributing? And you know, who's informed? You have to define these different scenarios on different levels. So, if the attack is just for one entity, for several entities, for a whole country, for several countries at the group level, so you have to basically map this sort of matrix depending on the type of attack or the scope
2: of the attack. And and this Racy matrix has to be very clearly defined, and everybody has to be bought into it. Because, as you say, when everybody's very stressed out, you have to understand that manager X is to be informed only, but they're not happy with it. They're not there in the way, in the Racy matrix. So,
0: exactly, this has to be done. It's it's just like on the technical side. You don't start inventing this type of stuff when you're under an attack. You have to define this when everybody is nice and calm working remotely from home and drinking orange juice you know, right <laughs> something that everybody has to agree upon and you can only do this of course when you're not under attack or not under a huge amount of stress so this has to be done thoroughly of course validated by all and stamped and once you know the process is stamped the process is defined then there's only one clear you know process to follow and if you have an issue then you know that's the thing to follow
2: and these decisions that are made are of a scale that are atypical of a business structure. What I'm thinking of when I'm saying this is I have recent knowledge of uh, an incident response where somewhere someone has to pull the trigger to reset the curb TGT ticket Mm -hmm. uh, and thereby knock everybody off the network. It's one thing to say it takes six or seven clicks, what have you, to execute this automated recovery, but the process to get up to the point where one says, yay, verily pull the trigger is got to be long and tortuous.
0: Yeah. As we were saying, there are two main differences. So there's the functional side. So the business side, as we just said, when there's a technical side on the other There are two types of different procedures as we've been talking about so last time we talked about the technical side so all that should be already referenced and you should know you know all the steps that you're supposed to follow one by one and right now we're talking about the fact that you're also supposed to have the chain of command and all these different scenarios and workflows to let you have the right people make the decisions now when it comes to a technical aspect that could let's say i wouldn't say hinder but uh that could create problems for you know day to day operations. So as you were saying, if you're you're going for a double krbtgt reset extra fast without waiting for replication, basically you're going to have to restart some servers before something works, or you're going to have to stop the KDC service and restart it. So that is going to have an impact, of course, on you know whatever people are doing if they're still if they're not fully you know crypto locked and they're still able to work. So I would say that on the technical side, you have to have it's not exceptions but you should have listed business impacts you know this operation might have a business impact or will create you know whatever to the org that can have an issue and this is when you jump in on the other side on the process that we've been defining you know the process on the functional side who's the decision maker so now you're supposed to have as we said I don't know it's an entity in the US it's just one it's not several so it's not countrywide, so it's that entity has to make the decisions. They're responsible, you know, I mean, they're accountable for them. So then I would say that, you know, whoever has been identified as top chain of command should say, OK, well, you're saying that if we do this double reset, then technically we're going to have to reboot all our servers. So uh, I don't know. People are not going to be able to connect to whatever application servers or do whatever. Um, it's probably going to take a 10 minute loss because we're going to have to reboot, restart, do whatever. He's the sole person responsible for making that choice. So now you have the technical person saying, okay, either we do it this way or we can do it that way. These are the pros. These are the cons. But basically, they're only giving them a choice. And now we only have one person making decisions on the other on side.
2: And what you're also saying is you've gamed out the best understood or most likely disruptive scenarios hey, if something like this, we're going to have to reset curb GDT, and this is what this impact will be. So again, you're not inventing this stuff on the fly.
0: No, I mean, it depends because most of the stuff needs to be scripted. Because as we're saying, well, as we already discussed, you have to try to think as, as little as possible when you're, you're under this tremendous amount of stress. But sometimes some things happen where your your plan has to change a little bit. You have to make an exception, just like in life. You know, you're supposed to go take a right, but you know the road is closed, so you have to change your plan, right? So sometimes, even though the whole plan has been defined, we might have an exception. And when you run into that exception, this is when you have to turn your brain back on. Okay, it's it's not defining a whole new plan. It's just making an exception to the plan. That's when the IT experts come in. Will give you one, two, three choices, and that's when, on the functional side, you know you've defined the chain of command, and you'll only have one decision maker able to make the decisions, and that should simplify it out.
2: Do you encounter a certain, uh, I guess, what I would call personas in these situations when they when they realize they're under attack? The, the unhelpful personas that slow down or or freeze up in response that you have to work around.
0: So we have we've actually had. Tons, And you have them in all the different orgs, mostly for the time being. And unfortunately for me, the orgs that we've been helping were orgs that were not ready on the technical side and not ready on the functional side. So they didn't define a chain of command or response or whatever. And they didn't define, you know, a standard procedure, a technique that they're supposed to, to, you know, follow step by step. So you have the tech guys who are trying to be creative on one side, but they're trying their best. So I would say that that's not, not that much you know, their fault. And then on the functional side i mean the, the c levels and the decision makers the issue that we have of course is different types of personas not understanding you know the the global issue instead of trying to you know move forward and fix the issue they're more like trying to i wouldn't say cover their tracks because i'm not saying that they made the attack but they are more about saving themselves than saving the org so trying to prove that whatever they set up or put in place or the teams that they had uh, you know the processes that they had defined were not followed for x or y reason and that's why we are in this situation right now but the thing is we're not trying to point fingers when we're coming to try to help people we're just trying to make things you know get back up and working so yeah the, the worst type of persona are usually the personas who are trying to cover their cover their butts and make sure that they still have a job you know on the next day
2: along those lines can you make any recommendations process for some of the, the major the major groups in, involved? You would talk about the concept of ripping the envelope. Do you want to talk about that a little bit?
0: Just one more thing to come back, because we were talking about the personas, but we're also talking about you know unproductive behaviors. That is something else that I've run into. It's um, once again, when you haven't defined the chain of command, some people do not want to be decision makers. They don't want to be accountable for the decisions that are taken. So you're coming in and you're proposing, you know, different scenarios because, of course, they have nothing planned, and they will understand what you're saying, but they will not make a decision. And of course, I cannot make a decision for them. I mean, I represent Accenture, and we can't make a decision for the, you know, for the people who are supposed to decide. So I've run into that where we've asked, uh, we've asked Accenture. So the company has asked Accenture to provide a plan. We provided the plan. Um, then they've asked us to present scenarios. We did the scenarios. We gave ratings to the scenarios. And once they had everything to make, you know, the appropriate decisions, they came back to a different team. They said, okay, well, we also have a cert team now. Um, So this is a different cert team than Accenture. Um, Can you reread the plan and can you make your recommendations? So it's just wasting time and not moving forward because people don't want to make a decision. I wouldn't even say make the wrong decision. It's just make any decision. So that, that is the worst behavior is, you know, not stepping forward. At one moment, you know, you have a certain level in the org. You're supposed to be accountable for things. You've been presented scenarios. We have to move forward and your choice is important. You don't make the choice. You're wasting time and wasting time means, you know, wasting a lot of money. If, if we come back on a technical aspect, we have a pharmaceutical company. This company actually evaluated that if all their ADs were down, they were losing 70 million euros per day. Which is about eighty million dollars, something like that, per day. So, if someone's refusing to make decisions and is actually, you know, asking for counter expertise and whatever, and costing two, three, four days, well, you're just adding that up, and that's three twenty mil, right there.
2: This is where the the old maxim, "Not making a decision is a decision in itself,"
0: exactly. This is sort of the concept um, that that I like to have is you know when we say you put your brain down. So if you were to, if you were to compare this to a submarine, like a nuclear submarine, or at least you know what I know of it from from movies that we all watch. You know when uh, when you're supposed to send the nuke somewhere, you, you know that the red light turns on and uh, the guy in the submarine, the captain, goes in his in his safety deposit box and he opens it up and he has to sort of rip an envelope or he has to you know break a capsule or whatever and there's information on uh, all right this is the chain of command you only respond to this 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 or you go in the dark and these are the procedures you need to follow that's pretty much the same thing Um, this is what we've been talking about that you're supposed to have this sort of emergency procedure that is supposed to be stored somewhere and in case of, of an event of an extraordinary event and then you're supposed to open it. So I would say there are two different levels for the envelope. There's one for, as we said, the chain of command. So all the C levels and agreeing who's, who's making the, the right decisions. So this, this racy matrix and the workflow, depending, you know, on the org. And the other one, of course, is ripping the envelope for all the, the IT guys and, you know, following exactly what they're supposed to do.
2: Right. Once again, the parallel of organizational or process or managerial and technology. You have to be careful about where you store that envelope, what level of dependencies that envelope has. You know, when we're talking you know, we're talking about you know, an Active Directory now, so much depends upon Active Directory. But how do you communicate? I hear stories of holding up consoles to a cell phone, video over FaceTime so that the incident response people can see what's going on
0: yeah i i will actually sort of confirm what you're saying so this is um i would say that this is the worst part of the job and right now it's the worst part because of covid19 also is the fact that you know we have many limitations you know flight limitations or transport limitations or on-site limitations this is is definitely you no know, big issue because okay some companies well it it all depends you know where you are in the attack of course i mean some some of the companies that we work for decided to cut off from the internet but when i mean cut off from the internet literally cut off so nothing going in but nothing going out so once that's happened of course we get into the scenario that you were talking about is how how do people share their screens well at the time you know france is a pretty small country so you take a train or take the plane or take the car but now with COVID, you're not supposed to go on site, and most personnel is not on site anymore. So, yeah, we've been working a lot with um, with telephones, and not to mention the app itself. But yeah, we've been working a lot with Signal. We have to open a, a separate, you know, Signal conf uh, with everybody, and people are sharing their screens, or taking captures, or communicating via a different messaging system than whatever they have on prem. I mean, for some customers who didn't cut off the internet, uh, but that have APTs that have been there for two, three years, um, they they don't even know, you know, if their messaging system is impacted, and therefore they don't even want to communicate through standard email. So we have several things. So the, for this for this one customer, we had to open a separate uh, emailing system. They uh, let's say so. We went on something public that was only defined and used for discussing this IR matter. <clears throat> Anything else was not discussed, of course, over the phone or over their, you know, their teams or their Zooms or whatever. It had to be completely separate. And when we were sharing data or uh, exporting data, then it had to be done um, yeah, on by different means. So Signal or this different messaging system on the side.
2: And this sort of bridges both sides. So this is the technologists need to be able to do this, but so does management. And I can see that this would definitely fall in the category of things that you may not have thought about.
0: Of course, it's pretty incredible that many, many C-plus levels don't always fully grasp, you know, what Active Directory is about. I mean, I do understand that. Of course, they're not here to understand on a technical point of view, you know, what Active Directory is used for. But they have to understand You know, that it's, I I always call it like the ground zero, or, you know, if you were to call it layer, well, tier zero, which is like the the first layer or the first floor of your castle, it's the base of all your infrastructure. If that base were to come down, then potentially, yeah, um, your messaging system might not be working. IM might not be working. You might probably not be able to use your computer or do things like that. Most companies don't even think about that. So yeah, they probably think, oh, well, it's okay. We just, uh, you know, open a Teams or, you know, chat via email, but well, maybe email is actually gone, you know, and you can't use that anymore.
2: And the gray area of, well, it's available, but we don't know if it's been compromised.
0: Yeah, that's that's another one. So yes, and all these things that you have to prepare, as we've discussed, you have to have all these scenarios written down. And the only way to write them down correctly is, of course, to well take the time to do it and think about all the worst cases that you could have.
2: Makes a lot of sense. Thank you, Ben. Thanks for this follow-up. I think it was very interesting. Uh, these are the sort of things that technologists tend to not think about because they think about the technology, not the not the processes, not the human interaction that's necessary to make all this work.
0: Yeah, as we've discussed, it's not just about technology. It's mostly about you know human interactions. When things go wrong, it's a mix of both, but both have to be functional and thinking straight in order to remediate everything and come back to a working situation as soon as possible.
1: Thanks for joining us on the Hybrid Identity Protection Podcast with Sean Duby. Be sure to subscribe at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you like to listen. Visit hipconf.com, that's H-I-P-C-O-N-F.com, to learn about upcoming events, view expert presentations, and take part in the conversation.